Hello and welcome to Off the Record. Check in with us at offtherecord.fm for show notes, ways to ask Jesse questions about what he thinks about Taylor Swift, and all other fun things off the record related. No one wants to hear any more of my opinion on Taylor Swift. I don't know. We're going to be talking about it in two weeks, I bet. Anyway, we are taping this episode a little early because I am flying to the West Coast to go to 924 Gilman and to hang out with some true punks because Jesse's not punk enough for me. It's not like we hang out anyway. I know. You drink too much for me. I can't keep up. Well, I mean, you know, I got a lot of years on you. You do. Yeah, it's visible. Even. I, I think, you know, it's funny I realized when I said that uh, 15 years apart, I've been drinking longer than you've been alive. That's the punkest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I got a uh, I got a Misfits tattoo. I got a tattoo of your shower curtain yesterday. You did not get that. No, I didn't get it. I was going to say, that's too way too punk uh, for Though you. I did, I guess, essentially get my, everyone who lives in New Jersey gets a New Jersey tattoo tattoo yesterday. Really? Not a state this line is... thing. Not like a state okay. outline, but like. That's good. Not a county no, outline. No, I'm not Wayne from Mano, but I got a New Jersey related tattoo yesterday. So I'm now So, in so what is it? Oh, Come on, what's just, the suspense? It's just my lake house. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. cute. I tell my mom the idea, and she goes, I don't think I like that very much. Hmm. Supportive Jewish mothers love tattoos. I mean, most mothers don't love tattoos. My mom, like, broke down crying when I got my LeBray pierced. Your what? LeBray? What is that? That's the, the piercing that below is your... It, is, that's the, that's the, that's the, the, no, that's not a dirty tattoo. It's the one, the center below your lip. Damn. You got your lip tattooed? I didn't get tattooed. I got pierced. Oh, that's what I, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, you know, I, I wanted my lip. I wanted my lip tattooed. Um, pierced, not tattooed. Pierced like Tom DeLong, but my mom wouldn't let me. I also wanted long Tom DeLong hair, um, but I have Jewish. I have Jufro hair, and my mom wouldn't let me get my hair straightened. I think I. Sh- I think I thank her for that now. You know, but like, yeah, you know. There, there's one of those things that, like, I got good advice about, like, very early on, like, during, like, when everybody started to think, like, refused dressed cool, which was thankfully when I was about 19 years old, um, I got the advice that you should always wear classic things and then you'll never be too embarrassed in pictures. So, like, basically post-19, I've had pretty good fashion that I'm not embarrassed of. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to comment on your dress wear. Dude, I get the ladies. Yeah. I have a, I have a, I have an two year anniversary gift here for my lady. I'm on the ball. Ooh, I'm, wow! I'm ready. Damn. I am Damn. fucking ready. Two years. Two Damn. years. Yeah, that's practically. I'm barely two years old, even. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So our first little thingy this week popped up a uh, a music startup. When I read, it is rare to uh, be for me to be clicking through TechCrunch on my RSS feeds and to see a picture of You Blew It pop up. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's what happened this week. And uh, so there's a music startup called Jukely that is offering unlimited concerts for $25 a month. It's launching in the New York City area um, that, that they plan to expand. But as of right now, they're launching in Manhattan. They're a startup run out of downtown New York City. Um, there's links in the show notes at offtherecord.fm to a property Zach and to a TechCrunch piece on it. Um, so to explain really quick, um, 
It's a, like I said, it's unlimited subscription to concerts for $25 a month. Um, the aim is to help out venues and bands. They're not looking to uh, get you $25. $25 is not going to get you into a Lady Gaga show, but it might get you into a show at Irving Plaza or Webster Hall. Um, what were your first thoughts? Well, what I thought is, so first off, I think this is a great idea, but I think like what the hidden thing here is, is that what they're basically saying is there is constantly shows that are not filled, not sold out at Webster Hall, which um, for the people who don't understand too, Webster Hall is actually three different sized venues under one roof. Um, The studio is where you see a lot of videos take place from bands because it's this tiny was it a 250 cap room? Yeah, now it is. I think it used to even be smaller, but yeah, let's yeah. say 250. So a small 250 cap room, and then there's like a 1,000, and then a 3,000 seat venue, 2,500 seat venue? Upstairs? Yeah. No, upstairs only 1,300. Oh, wow. It's 25. It's, it's two, so Webster Hall has three levels. The studio is 250, the Marlin room is seven, and uh, the ballroom is 1,300, I believe. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm I'm not good at that stuff. And uh but I think that it's a great idea that like, you know, there's constantly shows like, you know, I go see a friend who's in town and the show is pretty drastically undersold. Um this could get people in who just want to go out, see a show and be a part of the scene and let some more people fill out and discover some new music, but like as well uh, don't be fooled and think that, you know, when a band has a sold-out show there that this is getting you in the door. You know, they're going to let this be that you can get into shows that are not sold out if you come on a first-come, first-served basis. My first thought was, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. And then I read a little more. I thought a little more. I'm definitely on the same page. I Like, the thing is, I think we need to find out a little more, you know? What's the disaster? Well, I was first like, oh, God. Well, so this is my thing. What happens if 250 people that love You Blew It have just happened to be signed up for Jukely, right? Mm. And they all want to go see You Blew It at the Studio Webster Hall. Why would, why would they buy tickets to Studio Webster Hall if they subscribe to this? But then how do we know for sure that... So there's just questions, right? How do we know for sure then that they don't need to buy tickets? But then why would they buy tickets if they have Jukely? But why would they then subscribe to Jukely if they can't guarantee a ticket? Do you feel me? Yes, I do. I think that that's going to be the thing is it's probably going to be one of those things where this is for the scene. Like, you know what? To be honest with you, I actually was like, you know what? I'm going to buy this immediately because for me, there's a lot. So it's very convenient for me with this because to get to work from my apartment, I pass by Webster Hall on my bike within a block. It's very easy for me to get there. So there's a lot of time I'm like, you know, I'd check out that band, but I'm like, oh, am I going to pay $12 and find out that they already played and not even go meet them and they're going to be out getting pizza? But if I have this pass and they just happen to be there, I might go do that and be a little bit more social, see some people, talk them up, and see some cooler bands. You know, I've never seen you blew it, and maybe I'll do that, but... If I find out that the You Blew It show is sold out, I'm not going to also cry. So I think it's this is more for seedsters and poor kids who would like to go out and see a few more shows. And when they know a show is a little undersold, they're going to be able to get in here and there. That's what it seems like it's going to enable to be. But I do hear you that this could be discouraging. But I think they also know that if you're passionate about the show, you better secure your ticket. And I think it'll be a thing that 
it starts to work as word of mouth works about the service, just like kind of any other startup. Totally agree. And that's the thing. Like, I think one of us just kind of need to, our invite needs to be accepted, you know? And then we need to poke around, uh, poke around a little more and see. I'm totally paying. I'm good with it. I just need to like, I want to see how it works kind of thing. I, I spoke with the founders yesterday. Um, they're part of the scene in a way. Uh, like, they, like they know us. They know like they they love Property Zach. That was cool. They like they get it. Like they, they, that's why they used you blew it. I'm looking at the uh, the iPhone app images. I think I see my friend Megan from PETA too in there as one of the testers. Like I like these are people that are of coming from the punk world, you know. So I'm not like they're clearly not trying to be like we want to drive prices down. Fuck bands getting paid, whatever. It's not anything like that. But I, I'm really interested. I think it could be really great. I think it would be really great for you know you blew it if there are 223 tickets sold to their show, but then they need another 27 to hit sell out and some and Jukely pushes it through and they see an extra three dollars per that ticket and so does Webster Hall and everyone just gets a little more money. Yeah, and. and- discovery and the venues get more drinks and then they're able to pay their insurance bills so they don't close down you know this is also a venue that's like been in financial trouble for on and off for years at least in the newspapers so if it helps keep them going and have a great venue going too i'm happy to pay that 25 dollars a month if i'm even if i sometimes only use 20 dollars of it a month and that was my other thing is i'm like am i gonna really do this more than two to three times a month totally yeah and that's the thing i just i just want to play around with it but i'm i'm super interested i'm i'm glad that it's launching in new york for my own selfish interests obviously new york also makes sense as a place to launch but you know new york or philly would be cool and i'm glad it's new york yeah and i i think it's it it's an interesting thing too is if the bands are going to get a little extra money out of this all a netflix thing that they're chopping up the dividend of it that they're saying like yeah you know here is you know a dollar fifty or two dollars because this person did it it's better than if it wasn't there and i'm happy to give a little bit extra money into the scene so i think this is I'm I'm with it. I'm with it. We're hip to it. Okay. I skipped the listener questions. You didn't tell me that. I sometimes defer to you in thinking that you have a grand superior plan, which is probably a mistake. People think that so often of me, and I'm like, I was just fucking talking out of my ass for the whole time, but I got it done. Listen, it's one of my favorite, favorite things about... um About you? I know you do that. I know. But, well, you know, but no, like, you know... um with the internet sometimes is that like, you know, if people just see that you've written about something too many times, they assume that they shouldn't question you, but really you fucked up really bad. <laughs> and they're just like, Oh, well he knows that subject. So I must be wrong. And it's like, no, nah, I printed an error in there. Oh, sorry about that. Anyway, listener questions. We have two. What's this first one? Ah, this is for me. As you're both quite media savvy people. <laughs> it says both. Nah, this is for me, Jesse. You're not media savvy. I just wanted to ask your opinion and see what your thoughts are on running a blog, specifically a music blog with reviews, etc., through Tumblr. What are some other platforms you'd suggest using? What are the pros and cons of exclusively using Tumblr as your main voice for your site and blog? Thanks. Keep up the awesome work. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think I've I think I've talked about this before, at least, but. Um, I don't know. I I have two distinct feelings that can go on either side of the coin that will ultimately only confuse you more. So my first one is if Properties Act did not launch on Tumblr and did not stay on Tumblr, uh, Properties Act would not have been successful and I would not be recording this podcast with my BFF Jesse Cannon right now. Because when we got to Tumblr, we got there early and we were 
popular and we got a lot a whole bunch of followers and we we were the only music blog really on tumblr at this point everyone else was absolute punk or all press on their own platform and like there were other sites on wordpress but we were the only one on tumblr so we cornered the market really early however now everyone fucking has tumblr absolute punk all press and punk news have tumblr you know like every everyone's there so I think if you want to use Tumblr to have an 100% edge on everyone else, it's not going to be a 100% edge. However, you know, if you can if you can get a really good theme, if you can pay someone to make a really nice theme for you that doesn't look like you're using a crappy Tumblr theme, then you should do that because the back end of Tumblr still has all the benefits as it did when I started in 2009. One one reblog could lead to a billion people seeing your post for the first time ever that have never seen anything you've done before. So I love Tumblr. Um, I just don't think uh, it's harder to, you know, it's harder to make gold on Tumblr right now than it was probably five years ago. But also just make sure you're looking professional because people still for sure judge judge uh, press people who, who just are, quote unquote, another Tumblr blog trying to get into a show for free. Those are my thoughts. I know Jesse's media savvy too, so he might have some input here. Well, so... I've been um, writing the 2015 edition of uh, Get More Fans for the past few days. And what I my new tagline is, is that you should start your website on Tumblr, and then you should move up to WordPress when you need to get more advanced and start doing some crazy stuff. But Tumblr enables you to share your content, like you were just saying, in a great way. It enables you to cheaply get a good-looking website up and enables you to find a community faster than anything. So start there. And when you outgrow Tumblr because you have too many ideas of content, things you want to do, or you want to start getting crazy with some things, start a WordPress as well and start moving on away from it. But I think Tumblr is step one. WordPress is step two. Don't look elsewhere to other formats. This next question is for Jesse. Uh, people are apparently super interested about what podcast Jesse wants to listen listens to because I don't because no one wants to listen to Roderick on the line. So, <sighs> Jesse, what podcasts on novels or writing do you listen to? I don't listen to a lot. I read so much stuff on how to be a good writer when I was young because I've been being a writer since I was a teenager. Uh, that I think I got a lot of this out of me and I don't find a lot of it interesting, but there are a few exceptions. Um, there's a great blog called Author MBA that talks a lot of the business and marketing of being an author and innovative people uh, discussing their innovative marketing ideas and ideas of how they become a good writer uh, in that podcast. I've actually found that podcast very inspiring and they put up an episode like every week. It's very good. Uh, and then Tim Ferriss has some great interviews. He's done interviews with Neil Strauss, who's the guy who's written like every great rock biography. Like he did the uh, Motley Crue book, which whether you like Motley Crue or not, like that's always held as like the standard of one of the best rock books of all time. And then uh, he did like the Marilyn Manson book, which I would call one of the best rock books. I don't even like Marilyn Manson's music. And then he just had uh, Rolf Potts on, who did a great episode. And he's a writing teacher, and he gave some great advice that was run away. I will also say that Creative Live has a class with Tim Ferriss and Neil Strauss on writing that is absolutely phenomenal that you should check out, and I'll put that link in the show notes. I'll also give the book Bird by Bird, Elements of Style by Strunk and White. You have to read those too. Oh God, elements of style. Yeah. Uh, 
former editor of the chief, ed, editor of the chief, former editor in chief of Property Zach, Emily Koch, introduced me to Strunk and White when I was, I guess, 16. And she said, This is everything that's wrong with you. You're never going to read this. So I'm going to make your website not be a disaster. You should read this, but you're too dumb to. Five years later, still haven't read it. Still dumb, but you should read it. It, it. it takes like five hours to read it. That's the funny thing. It's like you could do that on your plane ride tomorrow and you, you, your life would be better for it. You think, yeah, I'm just listening to Roderick on the line on the plane tomorrow. Listen, I wasn't making any illusions. You do it. And I, I forgot there's one more on writing well. Uh, that's another great, great book on writing. And like, there's a lot of people who will say the hyperbole of like that you could skip a lot of writing school if you just read those three. I don't want to demean writing school that bad, but you definitely get the gist of a lot of it. And if you're a savvy person, if you just did those few things, you'd be a dramatically better writer if you just took a few days to do those few things. Totally. Also, uh, just read more. Read more in general. I, you know, I hate I hate that advice. Why? So I take it from a musical perspective, which is how I'm going to pull that into this podcast. Oftentimes, the people who listen to the most music are absolutely terrible musicians. And then I also notice that a lot of the people I work with that are the best musicians listen to less music than the average listener. It's not just read a lot. It's not just that. You have to learn how to analyze and do both. I think there's a balancing act of that. You have to inspire and perspire. I've been writing about this a lot in the new book is that it's not just reading a lot. Because I will tell you, what I find very funny about myself is um, I get a lot of inspiration from music. I think I listened, I, especially growing up, I listened to more music than anybody I knew. But, and that got me very inspired and got me better at things. But I find it funny that when I read to get inspired, it doesn't work as well for my brain. And so I just, I think that general advice is not always right. I think you need to do both and be flexing both those muscles for a while. It's very hard for me to say with the music thing because I was always creating more music and listening to more than everybody when I was young because I was playing in tons of bands and making tons of records. I was producing by the time I was 15. So I'm, I can't say for sure, but I know for me that like, for example, like when I decided I would read more, but I wasn't writing. It never did me any good. That Once I started doing a balance of those two a little bit more, and then I became the type of person who writes more than I read, I definitely got way better at writing. And I've seen the same of a lot. And I watch it happen with musicians and talk to the musicians that come here. And I don't find that advice to be right. Okay, so for me, it kind of comes... I, how I look at that is I'm going through this thing right now where, as we talked about two weeks ago, I guess, is like... As um as like I'm transitioning the website, um, a lot of where I want to take the website is to a place of much more commentary, uh, a place of like a lot of the text blogs that I read and love, like Darren Fireball or uh, Paris Lemon or or just sites I love. Um, it's a lot of informed commentary on read on articles that have been read. Um, not necessarily an article that you're going to find at the top of Billboard every day, but just things around the web that you subscribe to Property Zach because you don't find those things without me showing them to you, if that makes sense. So in order for me to do that, in order for me to think bet, to think more how I want to think, to get in a headspace where I want to be writing my thoughts every day, not just posting a 25-word news article, 
But actually commenting hundreds of words a day over multiple stories or just one story is that I need to read more to get there. And that's obviously a chicken and egg thing, but I'm under the impression, and I may be proved wrong and we'll see how it goes. I'm sure we'll talk about it in three months that I want to be reading a lot more every day so I can think about things to write more every day, you know? And I'm no guarantee that that writing is going to be great day one, but maybe on uh, day 90, it might be a little better than day one, you know? Yeah. I, I think that, that maybe that's the thing as I should say is maybe I, I should assert that that vice is just wrong, but I think there's a big thing of everybody has to strike this balance of inspiring, which is the reading and perspiring, which is the writing. And I think that's the thing is you've almost been a perspirer too much and you haven't been inspiring enough because you're always pumping out content for the content farm. And I've struggled with this too of that. Like there's been times like when I've just like have so many mixes to do that. I'm like, man, I haven't listened to like an album in forever. And I'm just like, I'm losing my grips on what a mix should even sound like. Cause I'm never listening to new good mixes and getting inspired. And I think that might be the thing is that you've, you've struck a bad balance. Yeah. I think I definitely did strike a bad balance. I mean, I also struck gold just a minute ago when I got an email about a new music video for a new Fat Joe song called Stressin' featuring my girl J-Lo. <laughs> I love these press releases that I'm on. And, you know, as I, as I start to transition the site, I've been unsubscribing from so many press releases, you know, which feels so rewarding, by the way. But I'm sure. This is like gold. Why would I unsubscribe from this? You know? Fat Joe is not looking too fat anymore. Looks like he slimmed down a little. That's sad. Wow. That's sad. Wow. Yeah. wow. Anyway, yeah, I, I definitely think that I've been in the, I have been, I, I, for so long, I have trained myself to, you gotta, you gotta post, you gotta post. Who cares about anything else? You just gotta post the news that I haven't been able to read because I've been so busy posting, you know? And so I'm excited to post less and read more and, and be able to think more just in general. But yeah, I guess that's a quick, good aside. Get inspired, Zach. Get, get inspired. inspired. I'm gonna I'm gonna look on Pinterest and uh, get inspired. Um, off the record, this week is sponsored once again by O Promotions. If you're a band, if you own a label, if you run a clothing company, O Promotions is a full service company for your merchandising needs: shirts, sweatshirts, fanny packs. Yes, fanny packs, koozies, and anything in between. O Promotions is ready for your order. With over 25 years of experience, don't bother going to that dude down the street that maybe has one broken screen press in place. Uh, o Promotions has you better covered. Head to the show notes for more details at on O Promotions at offtherecord.fm or go to opromotions.net to start getting your fanny packs, your pink fanny packs in time for Black Friday. That won't be in time, honestly, but still go there. Thank you to O Promotions for sponsoring Off the Record. Jesse, let's talk about punk. I love talking about punk. This subject came up because I did the second worst thing you can do on the internet. Now, we all know the first thing, worst thing you can do on the internet is read the comments. Uh, the second worst thing you can do on the internet is read the Defend Pop Punk group. You don't start every morning. I just lay in bed when I wake up and when I go to bed, just... And then I never want to get out of bed. 
No, I, I wake up and I actually read Twitter while I lay in bed and I read tweets like the one I just got that says, Jesse, can we see a picture of your sock collection? Wow, that is that sucks. That That's what this podcast does to our lives. That is terrible. You want to really see Jesse's feet? I don't want to see Jesse's feet. It's my sock collection. I don't be care, man. Mm-hmm. You, you, dude, I have paranoia about the foot liquor now. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was rough. I, 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 I've, I've been having... Um, I've been a little scarred from that ever since. Yeah. Anyway, one of the things, and I'm going to just get on my punk high horse and preach as the old man for a second, is is there's this constant question of da-da-da-da, is this punk, is that punk? And I actually don't think that's a, a bad thing, but what I don't like the idea of is you should not make what is and isn't punk a governable force in your life. I always joke, and I've even said it on first dates to girls, that I'll be like, I'm like one of the punkest people alive. And I say it with some hyperbole. So, just a little. Just a little. I'm mostly like making a joke of that. Punk has influenced what I see as doing right and what my image of punk is as doing right. But you should not eat more pepperoni pizza just because you think that's pop punk. And, like, do things just to do that. You should find who you are as yourself. And if punk and being punk happens to fit with that, that is a lovely, lovely coincidence. And that, if anything, will lead you to be a much, much happier person trying to always figure out what of these abstract, dumb things, like, you know, are uh, fanny packs punk or not, and pondering these things, you could be doing a lot better things with your life. And I think it's actually kind of toxic to constantly be thinking about this. The best minds and everybody you respect that does cool things doesn't sit around thinking about this. What they sit around thinking about is what do I like? And then they bring that in. And if anything, they drag the rest of the world with them into thinking that's fun. I'll use a great example is like, and I talk about this and get more fans is that, when some 41 came out, the least punk thing you could do was add rap to punk. Like there was such a pushback against that. Like if anything, punk was a rebellion against kids listening to rap because they were so mad. And some 41 came out, made that video for fat lip and they showed tons of kids doing punk things that loved them rapping. And that's why we have that change today and why hip hop got accepted into punk as a institution was that they found a way to do that. And that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, is that they said, I'm just going to be me. This is what I like. They liked metal guitar solos too, and they brought everybody along with them because they didn't sit there just going, this isn't punk. I'm going to just go eat a pepperoni pizza instead of write this song. How great is that song, though? I, I mean, that that song is amazing. What a great band. Ah, Sum 41. Anyway, yeah, no. Um, I, I fully agree. Also, I just want to really throw out real quick for the defenders listening. Why pepperoni pizza? Like <laughs> pepperoni pizza sucks. It's the worst pizza you can get. I agree. I, I agree. Uh, Any time I will take chicken pizza over pepperoni pizza. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't even me- eat meat and yeah, I would rather. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just like, that is the worst out of any meat pizza, out of any normal pizza that you can get that's not some crazy custom-ordered thing, pepperoni is a bummer. Don't go. Yeah. I'm an I, olive I, pizza person. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm okay. with you. But, but, but you know, we obviously have refined New Yorker taste because we get to eat the best pizza on Earth I agree. all the time. So. Do you like hot sauce on your pizza? Uh, you know, the pizza place by the studio we often introduce the uh, bands to is uh, they, uh, they have sriracha for your pizza. Mm, sure. 
Oh, it's just it's just heaven on earth. I used to go to this calzone place that now, unfortunately, is closed down next to where I live in Philly, and they uh, they used to bake in hot sauce into the calzone into mm. the middle. That was real. That was real stuff right there. <sighs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hot, hot, the the advent of the popularization of uh, hot sauce with pizza. I I am definitely you know. As, as a sometimes pizza purist who lives in the hotbed of pizza in Brooklyn, I, I am all for this new school trend. But Me you know what? Too. That's My, that's the fun mm. thing is, you know, these pizza places, they said, I don't care about the traditional rules. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to put the hot sauce on the pizza. I'm going to put that sriracha right there. Fuck what you know yeah, about pizza. Fuck that shit, man. <laughs> that, they're just easy coring pizza yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, wait. Are they? <laughs> Uh, my thought on the whole thing is pretty similar, like, in the sense that, like, I don't, I, if you do anything because you deem it's punk, you're probably fucking up, I think, to an extent. You know, it's just, like, if, if you're like, no, you know, I had a phone call with someone earlier today, actually, um, and uh, it's, a, it's a friend of mine in a band who is in a band I like and that people listening to this like, and unfortunately, they're uh, his catalog of vinyl hasn't been treated too well. And I've been pushing him for months that, hey, like, I'm not saying I want to steal this catalog and put it on bad timing records or anything. I just think you really got to be pushing for your own sake as an artist, for your fans and for your wallet to be getting paid right now, you know, um, because it's it's just money that everyone is missing out on. And it's something people are demanding that is just not impressed because, like, it's out of laziness, you know? And he calls me up while I'm in class, and he's like, Zach, I think you've ruined me. I want to make a little money. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you fucking sellout. <laughs> you capitalist pig. Yeah, and, you know, that's what it is. It's like, like, he's a really good example, not naming names, just, like, he's a good example as someone that thought, like, no, like, just let, like, let it flow. Don't push anyone to do anything because money's involved. And now he's sort of just realized, hey, if I want to make more music and record music and tour easier, maybe I should be getting my music to the people who want it and making money from it, you know? And he was like, I know it's not punk. And I'm like, don't say that, dude. Don't say that. And he's not saying that anymore. And that made me feel really good because I've been pushing him for three months. And and it's, to me, it's just like, have an open mind. It's okay to be different. I think most of the things people like, they love in the bottom of their hearts, is different from the cookie cutter aspect of punk, of pop punk, of whatever. I know that people are going to think this is lame with me saying it, but like, my favorite Blink-182 album is the least punk album they ever made, right? So Before they broke up. You know, it's like, yeah, some of my favorite yeah, ones too. Untitled. I forget. Yeah. Untitled, I forget. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's just like, if I, you know, if I was super punk, Dude Ranch would be my fucking favorite, you know, <laughs> or Buddha, you know. But it, like, I think, I think, and I think that like Blink is almost a good example here because I think like we all, we all start from this general mindset. We all get into punk maybe because we don't feel like we fit in, right? And then we find it, and then it puts us on our path of hopefully growing within that mindset of, hey, it's okay not to fit in. But that doesn't mean you have to feel bad about growing. And I think a lot of people feel bad or confused or conflicted about growing and liking something they thought they might not like five years ago when they found out what punk meant, you know? And, and to me, that's the whole thing. It's like, just, just have an open mind. It's going to get you farther. 
It's going to get you farther. And it's going to do more for the scene that you love most of the time. I, I even think about, you know, so some of my former viewers is when Refuse Shape of Punk to Come came. And my band had been making like a hybrid of dance music and punk for a second before that. And it was like that funny thing of we had to come to that thing of like, we're just going to be ourselves and this is what we like. And I can't help that all my life I liked I mean, most of my life, I liked hip-hop and punk just as much as one another. Maybe a little bit more on the punk side, but then I grew into dance, and we were just being ourselves, and it's funny. It's like, you know, that record without that record, you know, I think music would be in a more limited place, and that record's had a huge influence on a lot of people, and that's because they weren't thinking about what is punk all day. They were thinking about how I could expand the vocabulary of punk and not just pizza. Pizza, pizza, pizza. So, on to a more intellectual discussion. Net neutrality. Net neutrality, everyone. Uh, this might sound familiar. We talked about it all the way back in the top, in the first 10 episodes, I think, even up off the record on an episode called Blog Her. I barely know her. Um, so what happened? What happened <laughs> last week? Um, President Obama issued a statement uh, on the week of the uh, 10th of November Uh to he issued a statement to the general public and to the FCC and to all telecom companies um, pushing for the internet to stay open and free, i.e. to reclassify the internet as a general utility for everyone. We should also say what that means is he's saying the internet should stay as it is currently defined in about, let's call it defined in about 2013 because some sketchy things have been happening of late. So, the internet stays the same as it is now. Let's totally. Call it. And so what is the internet now? The, and so what this kind of means is, as for someone that doesn't know, and again, we have a lot of show notes in offtherecord.fm about this. Um, what the big battle as of this year has been is that random listener, I bet you watch shows on Netflix or Hulu. So many people use Netflix that your favorite carrier, Comcast or Time Warner, um, they get mad at Netflix because there's so much data pouring through them compared to how much data is pouring through propertyisact.com. Currently, with how the internet works, is one megabyte from PropertyZack and one megabyte from Netflix are treated the same. There is no difference. You cannot treat it differently. It's just a megabyte. However, telecom providers are looking to throttle companies. And so... Telecom providers, we should say, is your cable company who you pay for every month that forty to sixty dollars yeah, to get. Yeah, and rent. so those those telecoms are looking to throttle really massive platforms or websites or services like like Netflix, and to make Netflix pay, let's say Comcast fifty million dollars a year. It's probably way more than that um, to make sure that to create a quote unquote fast lane. Uh, to push data from Netflix down to the, their customers quicker. However, it's not creating a fast lane. It's creating a slow lane for everyone that is not Netflix. Yeah, and so we went over a lot of this in that episode, and I encourage you if you are interested in this to do it. So let's talk about what changed. So Obama came out, and this is what most of us who don't want I, so my big thing is this, is that Time Warner and Comcast literally rank as two of the companies with the worst customer service ratings in the entire world. They already basically have monopolies. Like in my neighborhood, for example, you can't get anything but Time Warner for cable. 
So they have this monopoly, so they have this terrible customer service because they know they have to do nothing for your business. And this would only make it worse and make their pockets bigger and be able to charge everybody more money and get them richer and make the internet worse. Comcast has already showed that they can't be trusted to do this because they've manipulated um, articles on the internet and changed pro-net neutrality articles into anti-net neutrality articles, just trying to change people's favor on this. Then you get people like this clown Ted Cruz, who's a senator from Texas, who people think he's an idiot, but really he's come loud from two different Ivy League schools. But he's also paid by the telecoms to with massive campaign donations. And he keeps arguing that this would be like Obamacare. Now, the silly thing is Obamacare was something that was made to fix a problem. This is saying, let's keep it the same the way the Internet was founded, the way the founders of the Internet literally wanted this to be and do it. And he says that it halts innovation. Now, the funny thing about the halting innovation is, is he says government halts innovation. This is something that conservatives constantly say. But the fastest Internet services are all city-built internet services like Chattanooga, which has the fastest internet in the country, was built by the city. The problem is, is these monopolies that are not true capitalistic systems like Time Warner and Comcast are so lazy they aren't doing any innovation because they have no competition. So this is absolutely ridiculous that any, you know, when you see Ted Cruz saying this and you hear people arguing for this, check where their checks are being written from. Because anytime you hear somebody against net neutrality, 99 times out of 100, their checks are being written by somebody who benefits to make money off of your your dollar or making a site like, for example, Property is Act be pay so that you get their data. And that's the dangerous part is that everyone laughed at Ted Cruz because they thought he was an idiot. He is the opposite, like Jesse said. And like, like we talked about were last week, he is just stirring the pot. And it's beneficial for him to do that. And he's just playing you if you think otherwise. Um, But I just wanted to say real quick that while Obama, great, thank you for doing this. Also, like, screw you, dude. You're a lame, you're a lame duck president. Really? This is not going to accomplish anything. anything, He elected Ted Wheeler. You're, you're, you are, whoa, 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 whoa. That's (laughs) not right. right. No, I'll tell you why it's not right. Because he issued his advisements, and there's not there's nothing about lame duck. Because lame duck, keep in mind, what that means is that you can't get anything through the Congress. This is about set, what your suggestions are to the FCC, and then the FCC holds hearings on them. There's nothing to do with Congress here. And Congress is totally out of the loop. So what does lame just, duck have to I do just, with like, it? I just feel like he doesn't have any power to really accomplish anything right now. He elected the guy that he's now saying is doing a shitty job. Who also is getting? Who also used to get paid directly by these telecom companies that Obama wants him to stop? Yes, that I agree with you on. But that has nothing to do with lame duck. This is basically Obama just did all he could do, and the best thing he could do because this is all the power he has, aside from that he should have never put this guy in place in the first place. Yeah, and I just, I just wish this would have been said a year ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did kind of say it a little bit even pre-election in 2012, but this was definitely a more adamant stance that he put out now than... I, I don't think lame duck has anything to do with it. Per, gotcha, gotcha. Maybe that's what I take. Fair enough. So anyway, in closing, I would everyone, like, this is, again, if it's a really easy topic similar to Gamergate to not gloss into because if you haven't yet, you may feel like... It is way too advanced to get into now. It's not the case. Like It's super important, especially if you like listening to podcasts, if you like listening to streaming services, if you like 
listening to Taylor Swift on iTunes. Like it's just important to to like read up on or to listen to. Obama's statement was actually made over a video, so watch the video. Go back and watch John Oliver's rant that was made several months ago. Like which yeah. we have in the uh, notes from the so last just, episode. Just go check so, it out and just, do what you can here. Um, seriously. So do you have any recommendations? Mm, you first. I did a great new track with a band called The Stolen, and that's up on their YouTube, which I will link in the show notes, but it's a cool track from a cool band. Cool. I will recommend, just since I'm looking at my iTunes, and that's at, it's at the top of it, um, there is a new band called Home Safe. It features the bassist of Knuckle Puck as the singer. I actually have nothing to do with it, so I'm not just I'm not getting myself some checks right now. But uh, I like it a lot. It kind of sounds like a late, old era of emo thing. Uh, music Jesse doesn't like, but I like it a lot. So maybe check that out. That'll also be in the show notes at offtherecord.fm. <laughs> Thank you to everyone for listening to Off The Record this week. Head to offtherecord.fm to check out show notes, to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter, at Jesse Cannon. I'm at Z Zarillo, and our podcast is at Off The Record FM. We'll be back next week.